You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. Hello, good morning and welcome to Radio Primavera Sound and welcome to the Daily Review on this Friday the 30th of September, aka the last day in September, where did it all go, etc, etc, etc. Today we have the usual new music for you, we've got new songs from Rico Nasty, Arctic Monkeys, Beak, um, and if time we're gonna have a uk garage classic from basement jacks remixed i save time because we've also got a pretty splendid interview uh, with tom Berlin, who is playing in barcelona tonight uh, in support of angel olsen uh, that is coming up in about 15 minutes or so we're going to start with something really kind of quite filthy something for every friday rico nasty gots to get paid rps to get paid by Rico Nasty and frankly if you put on a couple of kind of vaguely silly sounding effects and a brilliant beat and someone rapping like that I am all on board what a tune um, Beak have got new music up Beak are Primavera Sound favourites Radio Primavera Sound favourites I interviewed them recently at Primavera LA you can go and have a listen to that we talked about 
Brexit and drummers and all of the kind of things. And they said they'd give me a Happy Mondays record. Uh, but I'm not keeping them to that. Um, they also talked about this new album, which they claimed was out then. It wasn't, but it is out now. It's called Cosmic Music. It's a soundtrack um, to a uh, cartoon, which is kind of interesting. They talk about how that works. Um, this is my favourite part of it, Cosmic Music Part 2. Cosmic Music by Beak. And I think Beak are the perfect link between Rico Nasty and Arctic Monkeys because, as you will hear in the Beak interview, if you do listen, we talk about modern hip-hop and we also talk about Arctic Monkeys. I say Arctic Monkeys' recent music sounds a lot like Beak. They don't believe me for a second. Um, They weren't taken by it. But uh, let's see if you are. Uh, This is brand new from the Arctic Monkeys, Body Paint. From master of deception and subterfuge You've made yourself quite the bed to lie in Do your time travelling through the tanning booth So you don't let the sun catch you crying So predictable know what you're thinking My teeth are beating and my knees are weak It's as if there's something up with the wiring Come poke your head behind Gone into hiding So predictable I know What you're thinking I'm watching your every move I feel the tears are coming on It won't be long it won't be long 
Straight from the curve of shoot Steal a trace of body paint On your legs and on your arms And on your face And I'm keeping on my costume And calling it a writing tool And if you're thinking of me I'm probably thinking of you That is Arctic Monkeys with a delectable body paint. Uh, somebody on Twitter just now was saying that could be on Let It Be, and they sort of have a point. I also still sort of think it sounds a bit like Beak. Uh, let me know what you think about that. And from that to a Canadian uh, indie band called Always. I just had to look up actually what they are called because they spell their name A-L-V-V. Uh, A-Y-S, um, I guess, in a sort of search-friendly kind of way, because Always is one of the least um, search-friendly names I can imagine. Uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. They have gorgeous indie songs. Um, this is Belinda Says.
This is Easy by Tom Berlin. Um, we, she is playing tonight at the Apollo in Barcelona, uh, supporting Angel Olsen. We're going to have an interview with her uh, coming up. But first, let's listen to this song um, from her new-ish album. I don't know who needs to hear this. As I said, it's Easy. No one word to keep safe Don't want to hold the key The stories that I told you Sweet words you spoke to me You hoped I'd stay here in the city You asked me not for talking to us today i mean first things first how is the tour going it's going really well um we had two nights in lisbon and then drove into madrid yesterday um and then have the show here tonight so just the beginning but it's been going really well yeah have you played much outside of the u.s previously I've done two European UK tours um, in 2019 was my first one. And then, uh, and then this spring, April and May, I was in Europe, UK. Um, I played Primavera, Barcelona and Porto in 2019 as well. Sorry. I I really, I really should have known that, but uh, my, my mistake. It's okay. (laughs) I'm happy to, happy to talk about it. It was a good time. You enjoyed Primavera. How how was it in Barcelona? I did. 
Uh, Barcelona was great. I I was on a stage by the water, so it was a bit. I remember it being really windy, and like everybody at that stage was having a little bit of a a time <laughs> with the wind, but it was still fun. Everybody was uh, very engaged. Um, but yeah, I was I was very uh, grateful to be asked to do both of them. Hope to do it again one day. I imagine with music that's as intimate as yours, it's quite <clears throat> difficult um, when the wind gets going and there's a big open space. <laughs> yeah, you kind of have to surrender to it, I guess, you know, make it a part of your set. <laughs> um, but I, I think it went over well. Everyone was very positive, so I don't think it went too poorly. Um, I'm playing solo on this tour as well, but I'm hoping that next year, if I play enough festivals, I can bring the band over as well. So, yeah, it's a it's a different ball game when you're kind of by yourself. But I enjoy both. They both have like positive things about them, you know. Well, this is an interesting thing um, about your new album, uh, newish. I mean, released in in April. I don't know who needs to hear this. Dot dot dot. Um, it's. Uh, I believe you said it's the first time you hired musicians to play your music. How did that feel mm-hmm. getting like other musicians in to play these, these compositions? I mean, they helped create the composition with their own style, which is, I think why I enjoyed it so much and learned so much from the process. Um, I had tapped a few people that I knew in New York to come and work on the record, to play on the record. Um, and then my co-producer, Philip Weinrobe, uh, who is an engineer and producer and kind of just wizard of all all the things, um, knows a lot of musicians in New York. He's been there quite some time. So we would kind of break down a song and talk about it and talk about elements we wanted to kind of lean into and kind of what the mood would be. And then we would talk about it together and he'd be like, oh, I know this amazing piano player, David Sieri. Like we have to come and have him on the track. And we would just, like basically text people day of or day before and see if they were available. It was kind of a, a wild way to make a record, but uh, it turned out like I'm so proud of it and love the record and uh, have good memories making it. So it was, I mean, it was overwhelmingly positive for me and, and I think made me, I was new to New York um, and so I formed a lot of friendships in making the record and learned a lot. Um, about these other people and and their different skills and was just very inspired so yeah it was a pretty positive record making experience I mean was it a conscious decision for you when you started thinking about album number two that you wanted to do something very different or was it was it more a case of you know you're in the studio and you you saw these possibilities um, I knew going into it, even in the writing stage, that I was trying to write for uh, when I was knew I was writing LP two. I was I knew I wanted the sound to be fuller, um, but I wasn't so sure of of what how that would take shape until the songs were kind of complete. Um, I I feel like I. And at least in making this record, had to kind of view the songs all together and see what I had and what the story and kind of like the movement was. Um, but I knew that I wanted more instrumentation. Um, and I had, you know, songs like Stoned and Happy Accident, I knew that I wanted those to be like heavier, sludgier kind of rock songs. And I knew that, you know, a song like Easy, I wanted it to be like minimal, but very like engaging um, and hard to kind of turn away from. But uh, yeah, I I kind of had those production ideas like in my head and I am self-taught, so I don't really have all the like musicality and terminology uh, readily available to me. But my producer that I worked with, I, I could kind of like explain kind of something visually or a feeling and we kind of built our own language in the studio together um, making those decisions but I definitely had an idea before going into the studio of kind of what kind of elements I wanted involved yeah. How important is the environment for you in making your music obviously the new album was the first one since you moved to New York uh, and on the one hand that meant mm-hmm. lots of more 
well, you had lots of musicians that you, you could work with. On a more sort of general level, does it really affect what you do, the environment you're in when you're, when you're writing and recording? I think so. I mean, I was very inspired by New York, even though it was the pandemic. I was going on a lot of walks and just trying to get my brain working in different ways when no one was feeling very motivated to do much um, during those early days of COVID. But um, yeah, I feel like the environment is really important to me. I'm very inspired by nature um, when I'm out in like the woods or by the ocean or like water and then greenery like does a lot for me. Um, so even if life has been very busy, then I can kind of hide away and even maybe not even set out to write, but I end up writing something because those kind of elements really move something in me. Um, whereas the city, I feel like it does something where I'm having like more experiences than I did growing up and meeting more people and engaging in different ways where it moves something in a, in a different way as well. Um, but I do still feel like I need a bit of solitude to, to write it all out. Um, which is why I, I, I do run away to the woods still. <laughs> Upstate isn't so far from New York, uh, which helps, but yeah. Do you write when you walk? I do, yeah. A song like Tap, I started writing when I was walking around New York. Um, honestly, there's probably more on the record too. That's just one I can really pinpoint. If like a line comes to me or, you know, um, I don't know, walking helps my brain like organize my thoughts. So it does often happen where I might not write a full song right away, but I'll get a few lines or, you know, some words that I feel like are kind of starting starting a song. Um, but Tap, I very much started writing when I was taking a walk in uh, Manhattan on the West Side Highway. It's by the water, but then there's this like highway on the other side of you. Um, and there's all these trees kind of trying to survive and I felt very uh, inspired by their existence. I felt very much like the tree trying to survive <laughs> in New York. Um, but yeah. Uh, you mentioned TAP. That's obviously about social media. Um, and um, you you have an Instagram, for example. Um, how do you, it's a very sort of wide question, but how do you feel about about social media as, as a musician? Does it does it distract you? Does it annoy you? Or do you appreciate that that kind of direct link you get with fans? Um, I appreciate certain things about it. <laughs> um but it can kind of connect me to people like even on tour when I'm on the road and a bit more disconnected from my general reality. Um, but overall I don't love, uh, I don't love it. I feel like there's a lack of mystery these days that I miss. I remember like, you know, going and buying music magazines as a teenager and reading interviews or reading about a record that I was interested in or a band or an artist. And I like miss not knowing, you know, what like my favorite artist was like eating for breakfast or something, you know, like I, I feel like there's a bit of a, there's no mystery anymore. And I think the mystery is good and, uh, and, and makes you engage with the music in a different way. Um, so I feel like they're like sometimes I enjoy it, but overall I feel like no, I don't really love the push to become an influencer versus just an artist. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's that, my hot take of the day, I guess. <laughs> so don't try to hit you. Don't try to give you free sunglasses in 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 response uh, for a post or something. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I did <laughs> like Instagram asked me to do these reels like over I feel like it was last summer um because they were trying to get people to do reels like creators and I was like okay well this is some money like it'll pay some of my rent like I guess I'll do it I was like how hard can it be and I I I was really bad at it <laughs> like I think you could still go to like my profile and like look on the reels page and it's just like it's just someone slowly losing their mind <laughs> in real time <laughs> like I just I wasn't I wasn't amazing at it I can be myself 
And I did it, I think, in a very myself way, which was just being like, this is horrible and I'm so sorry. Um, but <laughs> I can't do it in a way where I'm like selling your product. Um, I don't think. I mean, I don't know. Someone gave me some skincare stuff that I actually use in my daily life. And I was very happy to, to post about their, their uh, everyday oil. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm just kind of like, nah, I don't. It's not worth it that much to me. <laughs> Well, I was going to say Tap opens with an excellent opening line, um, which is Tap the Heart Until I Hate Myself. Um, as I said, that's a really great opening line for a song. How did that, did that just come to you? Yeah, I mean, it was when, you know, early days of COVID just very locked away and everybody was like, you know, on their phones. And there was one day where I was feeling like, extra depressed and <laughs> I realized that I was like refreshing like some feed probably Instagram or Twitter and I just had like refreshed it like twice being like okay please show me something I like <laughs> and I was like this is I mean and it just kind of came to me then where I was like wait this is so like I don't know it, it just yeah it just kind of came to me out of that action of like desperation kind of looking for connection it's like a heart, you know, tapping a heart. I don't know. It just, I felt it was very poetic in a very dark and twisted way. <laughs> but I was just like, you know, we're trying to like tap our heart, tap the heart on the page, but we're like trying to tap our hearts kind of internally to like awaken it to something and connection and to feel something, um, some kind of like hit of, you know, serotonin, dopamine. It was very, uh, that song kind of came out really quickly. Uh yeah. <laughs> and another line from that song which I really love. Um and I was wondering if you could explain if you feel if you feel so inclined was mm. I'm not a singer, I'm just someone who's guilty. Um mm. what, what what do you mean by that if, if you don't mind? <laughs> well, I love duality in lyrics and in writing in general. Um but I feel like my initial idea what I was trying to express is I feel like we put so much pressure on artists and writers, you know, whoever, um, to put them on a pedestal and it's just like they're untouchable. They don't do anything wrong. They've never done anything wrong. They've never made it, anyone feel poorly. Like, I was just kind of reflecting on like the idea of a singer is not just a singer. It's you know, you're just a person because I go in to say, like, remind me that I don't have to be anything. Um, I was kind of talking about just like singers are also just, you know, people. I'm, I'm not, you know, I do a weird thing, I guess, for a living. But overall, like all of us, you know, from like, you know, the legends like Paul McCartney or whatever down to <clears throat> me, like it's just we're all just people and we're all just like fumbling around trying to make the next thing but we're also just people you know uh with normal faults so that was one idea I was trying to express but I have a lot of moments in my own songs where I'll be singing it you know even during a show and kind of realize oh that's what I was talking about and I feel like that's a lyric that I've thought about a lot where I've been like hmm I think I was saying this but I think I was also saying this um, so I don't know. The songs kind of open themselves up to me more after enough time, um, which is cool. So you find so, yeah, yourself that's... just? Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. I was I was done just mumbling. I was say you find yourself discovering things about your own songs when when you're playing them live. Yeah, I mean, not every night, but oftentimes I I feel like the repetitive, you know, playing a song and sinking into the feeling sometimes like the song can open itself up to you in a different way and I'll realize more of what I what I meant because sometimes I'm writing something and I don't even really know what I'm <laughs> like I kind of know what I'm saying but I try not to think about it too much because you're just kind of trying to let those those feelings or thoughts like flow so and then you're organizing them a little bit but I try not to like I get really stuck if I start like analyzing what I'm trying to say as I'm writing. That's a sure, like, street to 
writer's block for me if I'm just like in the middle of it and trying to analyze it. Um, so yeah, I feel like, especially on that weddings, like my first record, um, when it kind of took off so quickly and I just suddenly was starting to play shows, it was a lot of that, of playing those songs and being like, whoa, that was what I was talking about or that's what I meant. Um, kind of on stage having those moments, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, I still have those moments with these new songs as well. Is there a way, I mean, you say you don't want to think too much about what you're saying when you're songwriting. Do you have a way to sort of help yourself do that, to to, to get into the right headspace so you're not sort of focusing too intently? I feel like I'm better at it late at night, like early hours of the morning, because there's less distraction and your brain is in a bit more of a foggy state. Um, it's almost like being a little bit drunk where you're like a little bit less critical of yourself. You kind of feel a little bit better. <laughs> you're like, things are fine. Um, so I, I, I think that's helpful. I haven't done a lot of writing while drinking. I don't like, uh, I don't know, partake in that way very much. But I also have noticed like having a glass of wine or something like it's kind of just, you know, when you have one drink, that's like the perfect amount. It's like, you're like, wow, everything is okay. I'm around people I like. This is positive. And that's kind of where like I always want to stay. Um, But that's a similar feeling of like writing in the early hours. Like there's no real distractions. Nothing's really going on. No one's trying to reach out to me. I'm not thinking about myself so much or my surroundings. Um, and I find that helps me get into that space. But oftentimes it comes around from picking up the guitar and being like, I'm just going to play, like play like it's a, a game. You know, it's like picking up the guitar with the intention to not write, um, but to just like mess around. And then often a song or lyrics, you know, playing some kind of chord progression will bring something up. But it generally comes out when it's like being like, I'm not setting myself up to create something. I'm just setting myself up to to play and engage with like this instrument or this melody or something. Um, I feel like it's like taking the pressure off initially. I want to ask something. Um, you moved around a lot as, as a child, um, and so did I, actually. And I'm always interested in that. Mm-hmm. Like, what effect do you, do you think it had on you? I mean, a lot of effects. Um, but, yeah, I moved, like, five times by the time I was 12. Um, so I feel like I very much, like, was trying to to really connect with my surroundings. It didn't make me like bitter. Uh, I feel like some kids that I knew that also had that experience were very uh, isolated or like went very inward. And I definitely did have my own internal personal world. Um, But I very much was like defiantly like, well, I'm going to try to like set down roots or make friends or get to know people. And, like, for example, I was 12 when we moved to Illinois, and when I was 13, I got a job as a, I got a paper route, and I just, like, walked into the local newspaper and was like, do you guys have any jobs? Which is, like, hilarious looking back, like, some 13-year-old girl, like, walking into this very small town, like, 5,000-person town where everyone knows each other, and these people definitely didn't know who I was. I mean, I was just always like, oh, you're the pastor's kid, but... I, yeah, I just really tried to, like, engage with the world around me, and I wanted to know about people and, like, know, I don't know, I was just very interested in people, and I also, you know, was a pastor's kid. I was homeschooled, so um, my parents are very much, like, proactively uh, always, like, you know, when you talk to people, like, look them in the eyes, like, you know, they were very much, like, wanted us to engage with like our surroundings but um I very much took it to the next level I think was just like jobs and I worked in a coffee shop I got a job at a coffee shop at like 14 or 15 just because I would go and sit there and read and drink espresso and talk with the owner and one day she was like do you just want a job and I was like yeah <laughs> so I I just I don't know I feel like it changed me like I I don't know who I would have been if I stayed in the same place kind of my whole life I feel like it almost 
prepared me for tour, you know, too, like moving around from place to place and meeting people for a moment. I feel fairly comfortable. I mean, I started and didn't know what I was doing and had no, you know, I don't know. I didn't really grow up in a scene like this. So when I started, I just kind of started and learned very quickly. And it kind of came naturally in a way um, because I feel like I was like ready to engage with new surroundings and new people and, and really do enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like it affected me in that way. And another way it does as an adult make me feel like uh, sometimes confused of where to settle down or how to know what fits um, because I don't really feel like I have any home base. There's no place that I go back to where I'm like, oh, that's home. It's just places that we've kind of lived. So yeah, I don't know. It's affected me in those ways particularly. I, I don't think, like it when people I ask. I don't like it when people ask, where are you from? Because uh, it, for yeah. me, it's, it's like, well, how long have you got? I can give you like about three sentences. Yeah. and Yeah. Very much relate to that. <laughs> but Tom Malin, thank you so much. I, I feel a bit strange uh, addressing mm. you by by your uh, family name alone, but the, but that is uh, obviously the name, <laughs> the name you use. It feels quite rude. But uh, anyway, uh, thank you so much. For, for taking the time, I hope the the well the whole tour goes goes very well, but especially um, Madrid and and Barcelona. Um, Thank you. We're going to play out with one song. Um, I was thinking of Tap because we talked about it. Mm-hmm. But is there is there anything else you feel more in the mood for? No, I love Tap. Play it. <laughs> All right, we will do. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for having me. Hope you have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Some vitamins I don't 
was tumbling with the gorgeous tap as mentioned she is playing tonight at the Sala Apollo in Barcelona um, she's on at 8 uh, doors open at 7.30 she's on at 8 uh, Angel Olsen is on at 9 and that feels like a proper gig proper kind of excellent support act that you really want to see and get there early for so do do go and see her and thank uh, her very much for taking the time uh, to answer our questions this is uh, the daily review going out on Radio Ciudad Bella 100.5 FM in Barcelona uh, and online around the world got time for a few more songs um, there's this we're going to play this is from the new McKay McRaven album uh, it's rather gosh I think it goes well from Tom Berlin I hope you think so too this is so bougie <laughs> McRaven, uh, so Ubuji, um, what a lovely song. I just looked up what Ubuji uh, means, um, and I still don't know, to be honest. So, if anyone knows, do please get in touch. Sorry, I tried, to, I wanted to kind of bring you some vital information about that song and fell, but it's a lovely song, isn't it? Uh, keeping in the mood, something new from Bill Callahan. This is Natural Information. This natural information 
all this natural information. Got me in a state of deep contemplation of this natural information of this natural information Strolling my baby down the street All I see is little feet As she sleeps I dream I dream natural information I dream natural information Upon the Isle of Skin Meadowlark lemon lies within Within natural information Within natural information Within natural information Within natural information Bill Callahan with Natural Information, which is a 
deeply, deeply lovely song. Thanks again to Tom Berlin uh, for coming on the show. Um, there's so much good music released this week. Uh, there are new albums from Björk, the new album from Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Shy Girl. Don't worry, we're going to be playing all of that next week. I'm back on Tuesday. Johan is back on Monday. But it wouldn't be Friday without some UK Garage. I was talking to a friend about this song yesterday. It gave me massive desire to listen to it. Um, it is Basement Jack's Red Alert, the Steve Gurley remix. I hope you have an absolutely lovely Friday and weekend. I'll see you again next week. This has been Ben Cardew on The Daily Review.
You're listening to Radio Primavera Sound, proudly presented by Cupra. (laughs) 